Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So I just want to start by talking about something. You, you realize that, um, okay, God could have redeemed everything just, just like that. He could just breathe on it and it, it could be done, right? But instead, he decided it would be a plan of redemption through his son. Okay, so thousands of years of history shadow what's about to come, and then his son comes and finishes the work in the throne room of God. You understand it's finished, right? It's finished over you and yet we're walking it out. And he could have made it that he sent his son, and that would be that would be the end of the story, right? But he didn't. So isn't that interesting? Do you realize that he decided that the way he truly desires to conquer the kingdom of darkness and have himself be glorified is to make a bride, that would finish the work in this place, a spirit-filled bride that would, that would have his image, his glory on it, his authority seated with him to conquer evil. You understand that in that plan, okay, God deciding to do it this way, to conquer the kingdom of darkness through you, his beloved bride, it, it wins for him a glory that he could have no other way. Do, do you see that? You understand that, that God, God is glory. God, God has glory. He doesn't need anything from us in order to have glory. But to be glorified in this place, he has chosen to make us his bride, the revealers, the carriers of his glory in this place. Now, before we dig into the word today, I just want, I just want to put out there, okay, um, you understand, y'all know all too well that life has hardship, right? It's, it's chuck full of hardship. The way God has chosen to reveal his glory is by us walking with him in our identity, in our calling, right? In his purposes. In other words, okay, let's see a show of hands. How many of you have been in a season of life in which um, you can look back at it and you don't see a lot of God's glory in it? You don't see a lot happening. Okay, I'm going to suggest, now, now God is a God of seasons. I'm not, I'm not about to propose that that's a horrible thing or there was anything wrong with you or God was absent, but I'm going to propose that there are seasons when we're sidelined, okay? In other words, we're not necessarily walking forward. The enemy succeeds or, or the distractions of the world or whatever it is puts us on a sideline where we're not walking forward in purposes, and you realize it is, it is walking with God that gives him occasion, and we're going to see this today, it gives him occasion to reveal himself, to be seen in glory and therefore be glorified. 
Does that make sense? So we're walking with him. It's when we're walking in purpose, when we're participating in what he's doing, it gives him occasion to to be seen, for his presence to come, and for his glory to be manifest, and therefore we're changed into his image. Am I doing okay? Does that make sense? Okay. Okay, because you see, there's two different ways we can look at hardship in this reality, in this age that we're in now where we're called to glorify God. Okay? One way is that, well, it's fallen. It's horribly fallen. And, and that's true. And so there's, there's hardship. And we are to, um, we are just to wait for him to come back to make it all right. And we, so in other words, it's just a perseverance game. We just endure hardship, right? The other way we can look at it is that this entire story is his plan to be glorified through a bride that carries his image and to be in this battle. So in other words, our hardship is authored because it's it's his plan that he's going to be glorified through us as bride. Does that make sense? Do you see how radically different that changes the way you view your life, the way you live days, the way you face hardships? I'm hearing so much about hardship lately, and we've been talking about his glory. Who in here is fully secure now that you are the carrier that it's God's intention that you are the carrier of his glory so that he could be glorified. If I asked you three weeks ago, how secure would you have been? Hopefully pretty secure anyway, but see, this is, this is his plan. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go back. Um, I want to look at a couple of verses to create a foundation here. Okay, and then and then we're going to push into some really good stuff. Go with me to Ephesians chapter two, and uh, let's start verse four. It says, "But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, made us alive together with Christ." By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are you sitting? In the heavenly places. You're sitting with Jesus. You're sitting where all authority comes from. That in the ages to come, listen, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Do you see his plan? It's everywhere. Now you're going to start to see it everywhere if you didn't already. It's everywhere that his plan is to reveal as you walk with him for his glory to be revealed and therefore he's glorified through you. Okay? If you're not totally convinced, look at Ephesians 3 verse 10. Here in verse 10, it says, actually, that's probably too late to start. Let's start in 9. Actually, that starts with and. Let's start in 8. <laughs> Sorry about that, Ken. Okay, verse 8. To me, 
who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. Listen, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. You see, we are making known the manifold wisdom of God. That's his plan. And listen, by the church, I will find my spot, I promise. Here I am. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Is that mind-blowing? I, I hope that this is connecting to all that we've been talking about for weeks for you. Do you see that God's idea is that you see his glory as in a mirror? His image comes on to you. The glory of God comes on to you. And his whole plan is that as you walk this, you have a spiritual audience by which they're on the edges of their seat waiting for God's glory to be revealed through you. That's his plan. That's his plan for you. That's how he loves you. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Now listen, therefore... I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Do you see that? It's always struck me as odd that, that this statement about tribulations being your glory lands right there after this paragraph. But do you see why the way we started? Do you understand that the tribulations are actually for God's glory? Do you, let's put it this way. You understand that God, the, this entire book is the story of how he's going to conquer, he's going to triumph over the fallen state of this place, over evil, with a people who would overcome tribulations and conquer a kingdom. The entire story. Is that's not a mistake. You understand, his, he is going to reveal his glory through a bride filled with his spirit, with the image of his glory upon us, and that is his idea. He could conquer e evil any way he wants, but he's decided to be glorified by having you be the vessel that overcomes the entire kingdom of darkness. In other words, against all odds. How many of you know that you are in Jesus Christ right now with your life saved against all odds? <laughs> okay, I think that I'm pretty sure that was unanimous. Okay, we're going to look at some encounters. Encounters with God's glory. We've taught a lot about glory and I think we've made a lot of ground. Now this morning I want to look at some practical stories and see what they tell us. But before we jump into that, I just have to put this out there. You, you understand that it is impossible to be in the presence of God and be unchanged. It is impossible to see his glory to whatever measure, a little, a little bit of glory or 
mind-blowing a lot of glory. It's impossible to see the glory of God, to be in that presence, however it is, whatever the circumstances, and be unchanged. You understand that an encounter with God is transformational. Okay, that's good. If we got that, then we can move on to an encounter that I want to take a look at. Actually, one more thing. You also understand that, okay. (laughs) You also understand that his glory is going to be revealed in love, right? It's his glory is revealed in love. You understand that the glory the, the glory started in a love relationship of a trinity, right? And then that trinity, all three houses of the Congress, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that trinity decided together that the way his glory was going to be revealed in this place is, is through a bride, right? Through you, his beloved and himself being poured into you, in that love relationship is how he's going to be glorified. So you understand, does the kingdom of darkness have glory? A type, right? (laughs) Can, Can we be struck in awe over a terrible, horrific evil? Okay, it has a glory of its own, but will it ever be a glory that is manifest in love? No, 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 no. See, God's God's glory will be manifest in in a love relationship. Okay, now we're ready. I'm going to go to... Okay, I'm going to go to Genesis 28. And verse 10. Now I'm going to do this first part quickly. You, you all know this story um, probably. Uh, maybe not this first part. But the, this is the story of Jacob. Okay? And we're going, to, we're going to look at two parts of his story. Very quickly, we're going to look at where God, where he has an encounter. He has an encounter in a dream. He has a vision. And what we just say, can you, you, can you encounter God and not be changed? No. So we're going to see how how this happens, okay? We're going to see that he has this encounter in his sleep. And and just go ahead and read with me. Starting in verse 10, it says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold. Okay, now here's the vision. It says, behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached the heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Do you hear promise? Remember last week when we talked about Moses, we talked about we are a people of promise. We lean on promises. That's how we we move forward in him, based on relationship, things that he's told us that we can hold, right? If you don't have those, you need those. 
I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> we need a relationship where we are his sheep. That was mentioned earlier this morning. We hear from him. So here he's getting promises. And it says, also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Promise and promise and promise. And then he says, behold, I am with you. Every time you hear that, it's God transforming us into walking in his purposes, right? I'm with you. And will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Now we're reading all of that because I want to give you a sense of how glory comes in our life. The next line here is so critical and it's going to lead us to, to absolute gold. In verse 16, we see it. It says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than what? The house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Now listen, I'm absolutely convinced that we walk around in our life, and part of the battle, part of the spiritual battle over our life is realizing the truth of that statement right there. Surely the Lord is in this place, and we're going to talk about that. And I did not know it. You understand that everything exists in the mind of God. You cannot escape the presence of God. But the manifestation of his glory, the, the looking at his glory, as we've talked about for weeks, as in a mirror, such that his image comes on you, is in an encounter. It's encountering the presence of God that makes you say, the presence of God has always been in this place and I didn't know it, but now I've encountered God. Now I want you to see something. What happens just next in, uh, in verse 18, then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. So in other words, what did he do? He anointed the place, Right? set up an altar, a stone, anointed the place. And he called the name of that place Bethel. You know what that means? The house of God. Now listen, now listen. Remember, this is a shadow of, of the far more glorious reality that is, in, that is now. What did we just read? I did not know that the Lord is in this place. What, what place? The place that he names the house of God. So, and, and what else is the house of God? Okay, you are the house of God. This is giving us brilliant truth that should be speaking over your life. You are the house of God. And I'm absolutely convinced we walk around, if you're anything like me, and you struggle to hold on to that life-changing truth that the fact is, is, is uh, what does he say? Is surely the Lord is in this place in the house of God, and I did not know it. In other words, we are absolutely dependent on encounter with God, encountering the presence of God. Because as we walk in purposes, okay, as we walk in purposes, His presence, His glory is revealed 
And the image comes upon us as we have actual encounter. Last week I ended by saying um, I'm absolutely certain that the day the church, now I won't pick on Little Chapel, let's just say the church as a whole, the day that we stop seeking the glory of God to, to a measure that we have never seen it before is the day we quit transforming into the image of Jesus Christ. Do you remember that? I believe the Lord is trying to build in us a hunger, a hunger that, that you just can't stop, a hunger that, that is um, unquenchable for encounters, for actual relationship where the presence of God is manifest. And we go, the presence of God has been here all along. And I need this transforming encounter with God to say he's always been in this place. Okay, go to Genesis 32, 22 with me. This is the continuation of Jacob's story. And that's really why we were reading that. I want you to have a sense of his friendship with God. That's kind of, that's one of the primary places. What we just did is one of the primary places where his friendship starts. Okay. And here's how it goes on. Now, this is the one I'm sure that you've all at least heard of before um, when he wrestles with God, right? So here it says, and he rose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford at Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. That had to be weird. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Have y'all have you ever had something in your life where you're wrestling with God? Maybe even you use those words, I'm wrestling with God. We got one person, that's good, who's wrestled with God. <laughs> But this is like, this is physical wrestling, okay? That had to be so weird. Can you imagine? And then in 25, it says, Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, that's even weirder. In other words, God is not prevailing against Jacob. Gather this now. Then he cheats. <laughs> he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. Is all of that weird? So he twists his leg out of socket and then he says, let me go as if he can't escape from Jacob. Very relational. You, you see how God comes down. This is the God who lays his life down. This, this is the God, this is the Jesus who's willing to hang on a cross, right? He obviously lays himself down in ways in order to be in relationship to you because he loves you that much. That's at least part of what we're reading here. Okay, now, and I don't know about you, if any of you are ever angry with me and you, you wrestle with me and you give me a permanent impediment, that is probably where our friendship ends. <laughs> okay, you give me a permanent limp, we're through. <sighs> I say that because I want you to see what happens just next. Just next it says, but he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
That's Jacob. Now, I know you've probably read this before, but I want you to look at it with new eyes for a minute. He just got hurt in a way that he's, he's received from the Lord a permanent impediment. Now, I don't care what you say. That had to be painful, getting the leg twisted out of socket that results in a, in a permanent limp. It had to be painful. And yet he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What it, <laughs> Do you realize what you're reading? In other words, there has got to be something so sweet that no matter what the tribulation, the hardship, no matter how painful it is, um, y'all know that it is painful to be in relationship with God. Yeah, okay, I got the same thing where people are about to pull a neck muscle like, yeah, I got that. There must be something so sweet, so transforming about that presence that even in the midst of having just had his leg twisted out of socket by the Lord, he's saying, I'm still not letting you go unless you bless me. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to see the blessing. Okay, this is that transforming encounter with God. This is the presence of God. You can expect the presence of God to crash into your life, okay? He's not a safe God. (laughs) He's not going to align to your broken place. He's going to change you into his image, into his holiness. Now, you understand at face value, that um, that is not a comfortable thing. How many of you all know that? (laughs) Okay, so... So here's the blessing. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now the Lord is speaking and he says, what is your name? I find this so interesting, okay? Because, I mean, are we supposed to think that the Lord doesn't know his name? No, no. What's he want to do? He's going to start at where you're at. He's going to start at who you are. And I want to take a look at this. So he says, this is Jacob's response. He says, I'm Jacob. You know what Jacob means? Supplanter. In other words, we we have to talk about this. Do you know what this is, supplanter? In other words, supplanter is someone who's, um, you hear this all the time, I've earned everything I have. I've had to work hard for everything I I have. And supplanter even has a connotation like, Um, I've had to cheat. I've had to knock people out of their proper position in order for me to have it. By the sweat of my brow, no matter what it took, I've gotten where I'm at. That's Jacob's life. If If you read his entire story, that's his life. He has to struggle and fight and work for everything he's ever gotten. He has to overcome the hardships. He has to cheat. He do whatever it takes to get ahead. So God says, what's your name? And Jacob says, I'm supplanter. Okay. And then in verse 28, it says, and he said, so here's God speaking. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. You know what that means? It means he will rule for God, or he will rule in God's power. 
You see what happened? Transformation. You cannot encounter God. You cannot have actual encounter with the presence of God and remain the same. His entire identity's changed. And you understand, it's literally opposites. It's literally a picture of the world. I'm going to have to work for everything I get by the sweat of my brow, whether I got to cheat or whatever. I'm going to have to fight this forward in my own strength. And he's transformed by the touch of God, by the presence of God. He's transformed into the one who will have rest, who will just rule in the power of God. He's named one who rules in the power of God in this encounter. It's identity change. You know that you do not, um, it is impossible to get in touch with who you really are um, without that coming in relationship to God. You know that your identity Actually, who you are is only going to be released by being in relationship with the one who decided who you're going to be, (laughs) your maker. I actually believe, and I believe the Lord's impressed on me to tell you this this morning, that um, we are literally in the process of being changed from one name to another, to another, to another. In other words, God is naming you. He is declaring things over you in the courts of heaven. He has already declared things over you. And he's going to bring you, we're talking about from glory to glory. We've been talking about that. He's going to bring you from glory to glory. Now, if nothing else, this this is what you have to take home today. How do you go from one glory to another? How does, how does he bring about this transformation in your life? Encounters with him. In fact, it's the only way. I dare you to scour this book and find someone else transformed from one glory to another, into the glory of God, into their own identity into the accomplishment of the purposes of God without encounter with God, without his presence shattering into the comfort, (laughs) into the familiar spirits and shattering and, and messing that up and taking it apart. I dare you to find one instance in the whole book or in your own life for that matter. Rest. Have you ever been in a season where uh, you're just getting worn out trying to move towards the purposes of God? Anybody done it? I know I've done it. I've probably spent far too much of my life that way. Being in the purposes of God by the presence of God is rest. You don't have to supplant. The presence of God fills it. Now, in verse 29, and okay, so actually we'll kind of wrap up with this. In verse 29, it goes on, and and Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. Now, you know what this is? Again, it's not as if he doesn't know 
that this is the Lord, right? He knows. So he says, tell me your name. What's this? This is like when you were in high school and you met that beautiful woman at the roller rink or, or whatever, or vice versa for, for the gals. And you say, you got to get the phone number, right? If the, all your buddies are going, go get her number. Go get, you can get her number, just ask her. And if you get the number, you're like, yes. You've, you've got the victory. And why is that? Because if you don't get that number, you're never going to get to experience that glory again. That girl's going to get away and you can't call her. That's exactly what's happening here. He's been in a life-changing, a life-transforming um, encounter with the glory of God, the presence of God crashing in on him in a transforming way. And he says, tell me your name. Or else, how else am I going to call on you if you don't tell me your name? Now, I, I, if somebody has an insight here, you just come on and tell me this week, because I actually don't. I can't get a handle on this next part. It says, and he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. I really don't have a handle on that one. Has anybody got it? Well, you get closer. Closer and closer. Say, who this was. Let's bring it even closer. Oh, so he has to, oh, that's, that's good, Paul. You see why he's our elder? Yeah. Yeah, it's all about relationship. And so Jacob called the name of the place here. It says Peniel. Really, if you research it, it's Penuel. You're going to appreciate this, which translates as the face of God. Actually, I think it says it there. For, yeah, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. You know, this morning, really, I, there was one thing impressed on my heart. I know it's a very different type of message I've done this morning, but one thing on my heart. God wants us, and I, I mean us, this, this church right here, Little Chapel, you, to become a people that are hungry for encounter. I mean that to be a practical application. <laughs> okay? That's a practical thing. Seeking, last week we read about God, God turns everything to blessing when we seek his face, when we seek his relationship turned towards us. That's a hunger. Seeking is a hunger. And he wants us to become a people. Let's say, I'm not going to let you go even at extreme peril to myself, <laughs> even if it hurts, no matter what, I am not going to let you go until you bless me, until you bring me, until you show me your glory, until I come into the next glory you have planned for me. It's the primary hunger of my life. He wants to bring us to be those people. And I want to tell you something, there's promises. We started in a place where he was getting promise and promise and promise. And he has spoken promises over your life too. I hope you're hearing them in conversation. But I promise you that you cannot walk away from this book or knowing God without knowing that it is his intention to speak 
his promises over you in the courts of heaven. And he loves you so much that he wants you to have them more than anything else. He wants you to have the fulfillment of his promises. And they come, the fulfillment of his promises come as you hunger the encounter with God that leaves you permanently changed. For better or for worse. (laughs) Perhaps with a limp. But you can tell by Jacob's encounter. I was going to look at three encounters and there's no way we we can do it. Maybe we'll look at some others coming up. But you can tell by Jacob's story that he wouldn't trade it for the world. He wouldn't walk straight if you offered it to him. After he gets hurt, he says, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. That's his hunger. So, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll close with this. I'm just going to pose at you a question. And I'm just going to let the question plague you if it does so. How can you call forth an encounter with the presence of God? Just think about that this week. How can you call forth what God wants you to have, what he has already declared for you, Is it practical in your life? How can you call forth encounters with God? You understand, when you read this, these these folks you're reading in here, they call this out into their life. I'm not saying God's not pursuing. He's pursuing. He's the lover. Um, He seeks and finds us first. We don't find him. He comes and gets us. But you also read in every one of these stories These men and women call forth what God wants to give them. They reach out in hunger and grab it. They won't let God go unless he blesses. That's what you're reading. How can you call forth an encounter with the presence of God? Let me pray for you. Lord, Lord, we thank you for this word. And uh, we thank you that your presence is here with us. In fact, Lord, I thank you that your presence is, is always with us, even when, when we would say we didn't know it was in this place. We didn't know that you, were, that you were so full inside of us. And Lord, I pray that you would be giving revelations and insights on how they can reach out and grab you and how they can hang on and not let you go until they have the blessing that you're trying to give them. I ask, Lord, that you would increase hunger in our lives and just just make it spill, make it become consuming, make us become obsessed with your glory until we're so hungry we won't have anything in its place. No idolatry of any sort would ever fill the hunger. I ask that you would make that true of us in this place. And uh, we love you, Jesus. Above all things, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.